0: Chapter 11 of Original Stories from Real Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ija Siddiqui. Original Stories from Real Life by Mary Wollstonecraft. Chapter 11. Dress. A Character. Remarks on Mrs. Truman's Manner of Dressing trifling omissions undermine affection. Mary's procrastinating temper produced many other ill consequences. She would lie in bed till the last moment, and then appear without washing her face or cleaning her teeth. Mrs. Mason had often observed it, and hinted her dislike, but unwilling to burden her with precepts, she waited for a glaring example. One was soon accidentally thrown in her way, and she determined that it should not pass unobserved. A lady who was remarkable for her negligence in this respect spent a week with them, and during that time very frequently disconcerted the economy of the family. She was seldom fit to be seen, and if any company came by chance to dinner, she would make them wait till it was quite cold whilst she huddled on some ill-chosen finery. In the same style, if a little party of pleasure was proposed, she had to dress herself, and the hurry discomposed her, and tired those who did not like to lose time and anticipating a trifling amusement. A few hours after she had left them, Mrs. Mason inquired of Mary what effect this week's experience had had on her mind. You are fond of ridicule, child, but seldom in the right place. Real cause for it to let slip and heed not the silent reproof that points at your own faults. Do not mistake me. I would not have you laugh at. Yet I wish you to feel what is ridiculous and learn to distinguish folly. Mrs. Dowdy's negligence arises from indolence. Her mind is not employed about matters of importance, and if it were, it would not be a sufficient excuse for her habitually neglecting an essential part of a man's as well as a woman's duty. I said habitually, Grief will often make those careless, who at other times pay a proper attention to their person. And this neglect is a sure indication that the canker worm is at work, and we ought to pity rather than blame the unfortunate. Indeed, when painful activity of mind occasions this an intention that will not last long, the soul struggles to free itself and return to its usual tone and old habits. The lady we have been speaking of ever appears a sloven, though she is sometimes a disgusting figure, and at others a very tawdry flirt. I continually caution Caroline not to spend much time in adoring her person, but I never desired you to neglect yours. Wisdom consists in avoiding extremes, a moderate fondness for dress I term vanity, but the proper attention to avoid singularity does not deserve that name. Never waste much time above trifles, but the time that is necessary employ properly. Exercise your understanding, taste flows from it, and will in a moment direct you, if you are not too solicitous to conform to the changing fashions, and loiter away in laborious idleness the precious moments when the imagination is most lively, and should be allowed to fix virtuous affections in the tender youthful heart. Of all the women whom I have ever met, Mrs. Truman seems the freest from vanity, and those frivolous views which degrade the female character. Her virtues claim respect, and the practice of them engrosses her thoughts. Yet her clothes are apparently well-chosen, and you always see her in the same attire. Not like many women who are eager to set off their persons to the best advantage, when they are only going to take a walk, and are careless, nay slovenly, when forced to stay at home. Mrs. Truman's conduct is just the reverse she tries to avoid singularity for she does not wish to discuss the generality but it is her family her friends whom she studies to please in dress it is not little minute things but the whole that should be attended to and that every day and this attention gives an ease to the person because the clothes appear unsteadily graceful never continued Mrs. Mason desire to excel in trifles if you do, there is an end to virtuous emulation. The mind cannot attend to both, for when the main pursuit is trivial, the character will of course become insignificant. Habitual neatness is laudable, but if you wish to be reckoned a well, an elegantly dressed girl, and feel that praise on account of it gives you pleasure, you are vain, and a laudable ambition cannot dwell with vanity. Servants, and those women whose minds have had a very limited range, place all this happiness in ornaments, and frequently neglect the only essential part in dress—neatness. I have not the least objection to your dressing according to your age. I rather encourage it by allowing you to wear the gayest colors. Yet I insist on some degree of uniformity and think you treat me disrespectfully when you appear before me and have forgotten to do what should never be neglected, and what you could have done in less than a quarter of an hour. I always dress myself before breakfast, and expect you to follow my example, if there is not a sufficient and obvious excuse. You, Mary, missed a pleasant airing yesterday. For if you had not forgetting the respect which is due to me, and hurried down to breakfast in a slovenly manner, I should have taken you out with me. But I did not choose to wait till you were ready, as your not being so was entirely your own fault. Fathers, and men in general, complain of this inattention. They have always to wait for females. Learn to avoid this fault. However insignificant it may appear in your eyes, for that habit cannot be of little consequence that sometimes weakens esteem. When we frequently make allowance for another in trifling matters, notions of inferiority take root in the mind, and too often produce contempt. Respect for the understanding must be the basis of constancy. The tenderness which flows from pity is liable to perish insensibly, to consume itself. Even the virtues of the heart, when they degenerate into weakness, sink a character in our estimation. Besides, a kind of gross familiarity takes place of decent affection, and the respect which alone can render domestic intimacy a lasting comfort is lost before we are aware of it. Chapter eleven